0: and gentlemen coming to you live from under the big top in northwest indiana it's the compulsive giraffe well greetings and salutations loyal listeners it is i will the compulsive giraffe and i am coming to you from under the big top out here in indiana Where I'll be for about another 12 hours, tomorrow's Tennessee Bound. Yes, that's right. We're going to Tennessee. The Smoky Mountains going to go see Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg and all that kind of stuff. And then kind of probably do a podcast about it. Why not? It's what I'm doing, right? Uh, good evening. How are you? It's a Saturday night. I'm sitting here recording on a Saturday night, which is a little weird. Normally I do these things on Sundays, but, you know, sometimes you got to go with the flow. We've delved into some pretty, uh, at least I have delved in, because, yeah, I'm the one that's like talking to you every week. Um, delved into some pretty serious subject matter. Uh, kind of deep, kind of uh, thought-provoking, you know, larger issues that affect society. And I thought, man, I need to lighten that up a little bit because uh, I'm really not that serious of a person. I mean, I'm used to swimming in the shallow end of the gene pool, you know what I'm saying? I. I <laughs> so all of that deepness is, uh, Hmm deep. Anyway, we're going to mix it up a little bit tonight and we are going to talk about one of my favorite things and that is the movies. We're going to talk about movies, some of my favorites uh from all time, you know, top 15. And we're going to talk about just the movies. We're not cuz you know there's so much stuff that surrounds movies these days. It's never just about the movie. It's it's, it's more about, you know, it's the message and what they're trying to say, and then you have the celebrity culture that surrounds the event, and I'm not getting into any of that bullshit. I'm just, I'm going to tell you right now, that if, if you tuned in to hear me rant about that, you'll have to tune in later because I'm sure there'll be a future podcast with that stuff in it, but not tonight. Tonight, I just want to talk about the movies because movies are cool. I grew up in the movies. I used to go and, and sit in the cinema. My, one of my best friends from, from childhood worked at a movie theater, and we always hung out there. There's something magical about a silver screen and a big giant monstrosity that's that's projected onto it. You can just sit back in your comfortable chair and and, you know, for two or two and a half hours, just absolutely get lost in foolishness or drama or, you know, something scary or whatever it was. And the movies are great because they're a great distraction. They're a great distraction from from real life. I think it was uh, Alfred Hitchcock who said movies are really just about life, but without the dull parts. And he's right to a degree. Of course he's right. A lot of people that do movies that, that are in that world, they take themselves incredibly seriously, whatever. I don't care. I just want to talk about the movies. The movies that have had an impact on me. I mean, there are... There are scores of them, dozens of movies that, that have had an impact on me for a variety of different reasons. You never really know what's going to strike you when you're watching a film. Uh, and it could be a film that you absolutely despise and that you get up and walk out of. I've done that. I did it recently. There was a movie made and, and it was critically acclaimed and, and uh, people liked it. It was one of the last movies I actually went to in a movie theater. It was called Dunkirk. Uh, my wife and I went, Susan and I went, man, we walked out. It was <laughs> it just, it just wasn't a very good movie. I, I mean, I didn't think, now you can disagree and, and that's okay that not everybody loves everything, but I thought it was a terrible movie. I, I, the soundtrack was terrible. I, I really did, didn't like the cinematography. I think the opportunities for really good, really good uh, actors and, and acting were just missed. So, yeah, you can get up and walk out of a movie. I mean, if you don't like a movie, you get up and walk out. Why sit there? If, if a movie's two and a half hours long and you're 60 minutes in and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, this sucks, why would you spend another 90 minutes sitting in that chair? I wouldn't. You Get up and walk out. I digress. I don't want to go there. I want to actually talk about the movies because movies to me are really cool. And, and I'm going to give you my list. You know, hopefully um, we can chit chat about this a little bit. You know, what your thoughts are. I'm sure you may have a couple of these on your list. You may not, but it's uh, it's fun to talk about because you get to be transported. You know, you get to be transported to another place and, uh, and we're going to start. So I actually put a list together of my top 15 movies. It was so hard to come up with that list. And, and the more I looked at that list, the more I wanted to add to it and take something off and put something on because that's what we do. You know, we endlessly critique ourselves and, and I decided, no, I'm not going to make any changes. I'm going to go with my gut. This, this is what I put down at first and we're going to go with that. But there were still so many more movies that I wanted to put on there. So I actually added an honorable mention and that honorable mention is a movie that came out in 1980, and it's called Time After Time. I don't think a whole lot of people saw this movie. It wasn't like a blockbuster or anything. It was the story of H.G. Wells, he and his friends in England, one of whom secretly, now sp- these are some there's some spoiler alerts here, one of whom secretly was actually Jack the Ripper who stumbled upon Wells' time machine and went into the future. You guessed it, our future. And it, well, our future then. God, that was 40 years ago. Our past. <laughs> back then, I thought it was really cool. Anyway, long story short, he jumps in the time machine. Wells jumps back in the time machine to follow his former friend, Jack the Ripper, into the future to stop him from creating ripping crimes. Malcolm McDowell played H.G. Wells. And one of my favorite actors, a guy by the name of David Warner, played Dr. John Leslie Stevenson, a.k.a. Jack the Ripper. Mary Steenburgen, who is the, uh, the wife of uh, the bartender from Cheers, Ted Danson, I think. She plays the love interest in the movie, a bank teller, if I'm not mistaken. Excellent movie. I say give it a shot. If you haven't seen it, I think you'll enjoy it. Number 15 for me. The movie Aliens, number two. Number one could very easily also be on this list, but I had a couple of issues with it. But Aliens number two, man, it was everything. It was uh, it was a James Cameron movie, so it was uh, there was a ton of stuff in it. Sigourney Weaver she um, reprised her role as Ripley. Essentially, they learn in Aliens that guess what. They're not dead <laughs> and, and they may have taken over this mining colony on a planet. So off goes Ripley's with these space Marines into this colony to see what's what and see if they can rescue anybody and and slay these demon alien dragons. It had a phenomenal Of course, Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bain, Paul Reiser, Lance Henriksen, Bill Paxton, and on and on and on. And again, this is another movie. I mean, this is not a recent movie. This is another movie that was made in the 80s. Um, 1985, 1986, I think it was. So again, 34 years ago. For the time, amazing special effects. But the movies, the cool thing about this movie was it didn't rely on special effects. It didn't need to. Like the first Alien. And and honestly, truth be told, in full disclosure, I never saw uh, Aliens 3. I think they were like up to Aliens 12 or something. I never saw that. I stopped at this movie because there was no way for me they were going to top it. We're on an elevator to hell I'll just I'll never forget Bill Paxton for me this movie made him for me and I'd seen him previously but man his his role in this movie just cemented him for me to be an amazing movie guy so aliens number 15 number 14 is a is a fan favorite it's a it's a favorite of the masses Raiders of the Lost Ark. Steven Spielberg was the director. I'm not a big Steven Spielberg fan, as it were, but this movie was great. It was great for a lot of reasons. Harrison Ford was pretty cool. Not one of my favorite actors. He pretty much plays the same guy in everything he does, but that's okay because the storyline worked for that. It was a very cool idea about you know an archaeologist who was a secret badass who traveled the world back in the 40s to to steal shit <laughs> i mean and basically that's what it was what a cast harrison ford karen allen denholm elliott denholm elliott remember him he was the uh He was the butler in Trading Places, another great movie not on this list. Alfred Molina was in this movie. John Rhys-Davies, who's one of my favorites, I love that dude. I don't have to talk about the movie. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Raiders of the Lost Ark comes in at number 14. Number 13 is a sports movie, but it's really more than that. It's the natural. Again, 1984. So far, all the great movies for me were made in the 80s. I I sound like a broken record, but Robert Redford, I'm not a huge fan. I I liked him in in, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and I liked him in The Natural. He's not why I found myself pulled into this movie, though. The thing that got me about this movie was the storyline, the trio of evil owner, baseball superstar, and sports writer manipulating the game. And to me, that was phenomenal. Uh, Robert Duval was crazy good, crazy good as Max mercy sports writer. He would go up there and he would have two stories in his hand. And depending on how the game would go, that's the one he would present. So it was already, you know, predetermined because he was going to manipulate the game of baseball. I think one of his quotes in the movie was baseball players come and go. But I'll be here forever, and boy, isn't that the truth? Also, uh, the late Wilfred Brimley, who just recently passed away, was in that. Played a great role as the uh, as the manager of the of the of the ball club. The scene in the end when he the lights explode and he does the trot, the home run trot, the embers falling out of the lights with that music. I'll never forget that. So, The Natural, number twelve. Another movie made in the eighties. This is a war movie. What I think of as new wave. When we got out of the sixties and the seventies, we stopped making movies about world war two. All the movies up to that point were about world war two. It was John Wayne, Robert Mitchum. It was from here to eternity. It was midway. It was all of these types of things. But in 1986, we started to make movies about other aspects of war. The movie Platoon was made and it was a very compelling movie. And I look, I think some of it was some of it was bullshit. I mean, I talked to a lot of Vietnam vets. Some say, hey, this is my life. Others say, I don't know what those guys were doing. That wasn't my experience at all. So I guess it just depends. I don't know, but I can tell you that I loved the movie. The good versus evil. You had Tom Berenger versus Willem Dafoe. Barnes versus Elias. You had all Barnes's guys. Elias' guys were the stoners. They were, I mean, they were war makers. They were life takers they were the stoners they were the ones that were cool and hip and chill barnes's guys man they were just full-on i want to kill things what's his name's little brother uh, matt Dillon? kevin Dillon played the part of bunny one of barnes's guys in this film john c mcginley who i really like a lot as an actor really loved him in scrubs he played sergeant o'neill a great role kiss ass uh, for barnes charlie sheen uh, Johnny Depp was in this movie. That was actually pointed out to me after the fact. I didn't know who he was at the time. I didn't watch 21 Jump Street. Uh, very good movie. Uh, very powerful. Very dramatic. My next movie is Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. This is a Guy Ritchie movie. I love almost all Guy Ritchie movies because the, the humor is ridiculous. This is another movie that was made uh, a while ago. It was made in 1998. Features Jason Statham, Jason Fleming, Dexter Fletcher. There are some guys in this movie that you'll remember that you'll recognize from Band of Brothers, if you've seen that, which was mostly British guys playing American soldiers. You'll see some of those guys in this movie as well. And you'll go, my God, I didn't know that guy was British. Well, guess what? Half of the cast the Band of Brothers was was British, probably more than half the cast. It tells a a story of kind of bungled burglars, evil crime lords, all taking place in Cockney, London. You gotta see it. Guys with names like Soap, Barry the Baptist, Little Chris, Hatchet Harry, Plank. I mean, just absolute lunacy. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels when a guy just gets way over his head and can only figure one way to get out. You've got to see this movie if you haven't already. Next on the list for me is The Big Lebowski. That's right. The Dude Abides. The Big Lebowski comes in for me. Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Julian Moore, Steve Buscemi, Philip Seymour Hoffman, even Tara Reed was in this movie. Mark Pellegrino was in this movie, a guy that I really like a lot. I actually follow him on Twitter for other reasons, but you need to, if you haven't seen this movie, you need to see this movie. This is Joel and Ethan Cohen. It's a great storyline. I don't want to give too much away like I have on some of the other ones already, but the big Lebowski for me comes in at number 11. Number 10 is probably one of my favorite actors of all time, who took a movie, threw it onto his back, and ran the length of a city with it. The movie is called All That Jazz. And Roy Scheider, who is hands down one of my favorite all-time ever actors, plays the role of Bob Fosse, the acclaimed modern choreographer who literally changed dance on, on, on Broadway. It's, it's Bob Fosse's life. Roy Scheider plays him. This is the seedy side and the tolls that it takes on a person's life. And that life was Bob Fosse. So coming in at number eight, All That Jazz. Number seven, a Western. A phenomenal Western. One of the greatest Westerns of all time. 1985's Silverado. The cast is, is crazy good. Kevin Kline, Scott Glenn, Kevin Costner, Danny Glover, John Cleese. This movie is a veritable who's who. I mean, you even had Rosanna Arquette is in this. Jeff Goldblum is in this. Linda Hunt is in this. This is one of the greatest, biggest, wide-open Westerns. Incredible soundtrack. I could just listen to the soundtrack all day another great story of of uh, outlaws one tries to go good somehow gets pulled back into the old gang who've now set up shop in a town where they're literally running the town not as legit businessmen but as the sheriff and the corrupt landowners gamblers i mean just phenomenal two brothers crossing the country, trying to get to their sisters in this town of Silverado. The one has to bust the other one out of jail. That one is Kevin Costner. This was the movie that literally put Kevin Costner on the map. He had made a few prior to this one, but nobody knew who he was until this movie. And, and you could say the same thing probably for a lot of these guys. Nonetheless, Silverado is for me, the best Western I've ever seen. This movie has every aspect of it's it got a little bit of drama it's got a little bit of romance it's got a lot of shooting it's got a lot of badass cowboy stuff phenomenal movie and next on my list Monty Python and the Holy Grail you've heard it quoted you've got friends that quote it you don't know what they're talking about but they quote it constantly I'm one of those people it's Monty Python it's the Knights of the Round Table. It's John Cleese and Eric Idle. It's, it's another Terry Gilliam gem. It's Terry Jones and Michael Palin. It's the late Graham Chapman. It's just absolute comedic genius is what this movie is. Huge tracks of land among other things there's the black knight scene there's the 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 frenchman who th- who hurl insults over the parapet at, at the castle there's the the killer bunny absolutely brilliant movie if you don't get this kind of humor you will not enjoy it i promise you if you don't think people throwing dead people onto a wagon with a guy walking through town yelling, bring out your dead is funny. This movie is probably not for you. Number six is everybody's one of everybody's favorite movies. It's a wonderful life. And yes, this is a Christmas movie, but you know what? It's really not a Christmas movie. It's really kind of a dark movie. In fact, Frank Capra Who directed Jimmy Stewart in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, where Jimmy Stewart went to Congress as an everyman and learned that, guess what? There's a political machine there and they're going to kill you to get what they want. He wasn't sure. This movie was after World War II and Jimmy Stewart flew during World War II. And Jimmy Stewart was involved in a number of sorties and battles and When Frank saw him and and talked to him about this role, he was like, this is a different guy. It was a darker Jimmy Stewart. And so he went with that. In the part where all of a sudden Jimmy was never born, that was a dark dude. When he was in the bar, he was dark when he went to the house. He was dark when he went back into town. It was crazy. And I mean, when you think about how evil lionel barrymore was as mr potter he literally destroyed people in this movie this wasn't like a foofy um smiley christmas movie not at all this was a very dark film and back then in the 40s i mean there was very little that you could get out onto the screen that was quote controversial but i mean there was prostitution and gambling and when you think about what the town had become Because George Bailey was never born, it was, I mean, it went right into the sewer. Next time you see it, kind of look at it with that eye and also read some stuff that that was written by Frank Capra and some interviews by uh, Jimmy Stewart from Pennsylvania, I might add, from Indiana, Pennsylvania, to be specific. And I know that because I was in Indiana, Pennsylvania. My kid went to school there for a year and there is a Jimmy Stewart museum right in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Number five is The Shootist with John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, and Lauren Bacall, and a very young Ron Howard, older than Opie, but younger than Richie Cunningham. I've said already that Silverado was my favorite Western, and yet I had it ranked behind this movie. That's because even though this movie is sort of, kind of, I guess you could say it's a Western, to me it wasn't. To me it's a coming-of-age movie. It's a coming of age movie. It may be set in a kind of a Western flavor. It was coming of age for everybody. It was coming of age for, you know, the Ron Howard character. It was coming of age for the, the John Wayne character, J.B. Books. You know, he survived off of his gun. He was a gun. He was a gun for hire. And, and even the town was coming of age. You know, they had cars and electric trolleys and things of that nature that we're all part of this. So when I look at this, I don't really look at it as a, as a Western as much as I do a movie about aging and coming of age. I I mean, it was magnificent. It, It is an incredible movie. Some of these people, names that, you know, Harry Morgan, Scatman Crothers, Lauren Bacall, John Wayne, Ron Howard, Richard Boone, John Carradine. Some of these guys gave the performances of their life in this movie. It struck me on so many levels. It kind of touched all the bases for me. So, so coming in at number five is The shootest. Number four? <laughs> number four is one of my favorites for a whole lot of reasons. Uh, not the least of which is my name is Enigo Montoyo. You kill my father, prepare to die. And yes, we are talking about the Princess Bride, made in 1987, with Carrie Yelves and and Mandy Patinkin, Chris Sarandon, Christopher Guest from you may remember him from Saturday Night Live. Also, um, Mr. Jamie Lee Curtis. He's he's Jamie Lee's uh, husband. Uh, Wallace, Sean, Vizzini, inconceivable, a very young Fred Savage, Robin Wright, one of Sean Penn's first wives. How about Billy Crystal and Carol Kane were both in this as Miracle Max and, and Valerie. Hilarious. It was an absolute goof. The entire movie was a goof. It it never stopped, and and that's why I liked it so much because it was a comedy. This one didn't take itself seriously at all. The special effects were terrible, but but they were supposed to be terrible. <laughs> they were terrible because if they made good special effects, it would take away from the comedy and the story. The the R U S S S right, rodents of incredible size and strength that were in the the fire swamp. They looked ridiculous, but they were supposed to look ridiculous. When they're all climbing up the hill, you know, when they're climbing up the hill, Andre the Giant's like climbing up the rope and they're all hanging on to him. I mean, it looked silly, didn't it? And it was supposed to because this was Peter Falk telling a story to his grandson. Thus, they acted out the story. And because of that reason, that reason puts it in my top five. Um, The rest of it is just... It's it's one of those movies that you you know every line you know and love all the characters. You I could watch this movie every week and not get tired of it. And how many movies can you say that about? So number four, the Princess Bride. Number three, number three is a weird movie, and it was it really surprised me quite a bit that it ended up for me in number three. But it I mean I, once it was there, I couldn't I couldn't take it off. It was the usual suspects it's just a crime movie it was about a hijack in new york and five guys were arrested and brought together as none of them are guilty they plan a revenge operation against the police it's it's remarkable it was about a criminal mastermind think about the cast here but gabriel Byrne, benicio del toro kevin pollack kevin spacey in the role of his life Chaz Palminteri, who I really, really like a lot. Susie Amos, Giancarlo Esposito, Dan Hedaya is in it. It's, it's just another one of those perfect movies that clicked on every level. Uh, as a drama, as a whodunit, it kept me guessing. It kept me guessing till the end and blew me away. Never saw this coming. The Usual Suspects. If you haven't seen it, you really need to. Number two for me is a movie that, man, I just—it's a movie today, even today. This movie came out in the seventies. I saw it for the first time like when I was in high school. I have this—it has the same impact on me today as it had on me then. And that movie is called *The Great Santini*. It could be for me one of the greatest movies of all. Well, hell, I put it number two, so you know I really liked it. Robert Duvall plays Bull Meacham, a Marine Corps fighter pilot. He's all core all the time. They're raising a family by dragging him across the country. And he goes to different duty stations and is involved in different conflicts. And he drinks an awful lot. His family is just trying to understand who they are and what their place is in the world. He's hardcore. He's hard on his kids. He's hard on his wife. Blythe Danner plays a perfect, perfect Lillian Meacham, which was probably the the absolute perfect role model for Military Wives of the 60s. Michael O'Keefe, who who I like a lot, played Ben Meacham, the son. Um, Michael O'Keefe, you might remember him. He was the hero caddy from Caddy Shack. Um, he's been in a lot of other stuff, too. He had a recurring role, I think, in the Roseanne TV series. It's hard for me. To reference like current stuff because I don't really watch a lot. I remember these movies in the in the time that I saw them. But if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend that you see The Great Santini. It was absolutely brilliant. And my number one movie should be no surprise, it's Braveheart. Braveheart has everything you could ever expect a movie to have. Ever. It's one of these epic historical pieces that leaves you reeling at the end of the film for ever I'm still reeling I'm still reeling just just sitting here talking about this thinking about some of those scenes it has some of the the most amazing battles sequences it was one of the first films that ever showed that period for what it might actually look like. It wasn't like Errol Flynn wearing a suit of armor as, you know, Sir Galahad, whatever. It wasn't that at all. This was, as an audience, this was like one of the first times that somebody tried to make a movie that actually looked like what it may have actually looked like back then. And I thought that was incredibly cool. I actually I actually thought that Mel Gibson was incredibly cool because he was incredibly cool. He didn't he didn't go insane until, you know, years later. You need to see this movie. If you haven't already seen this movie, you need to see this. Every part of this movie is phenomenal, from his childhood to his last day. The impact that his life had on those of his clan, of his people, his first wife, just how when she was killed Everybody in the audience died. We were all killed. I can't say enough about this movie. It, it was badass. It it was loaded with testosterone. It had a a beautiful message to it. Never give up. Freedom is everything. He fought and died for freedom in a monarchy that was evil. You had to root for this guy. Braveheart. For me the best movie ever made. So that's it this week, uh, movie fans. I hope you enjoyed going down memory lane with some of these films. If I'm remembering some of them, uh, not the same way you do. That's okay. We all see things through our own lens. I remember them as I remember them. Some of them I haven't seen in a very long time. And I did most of this. (laughs) I did most of this by memory. I did have the IMDB upload just so you know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a savant. I, I could at least read the cast members. But that's it. That's it. Those are movies. Those were great movies to me. Some of them were funny. Some of them were expertly dramatic. Some of them were epic. Some of them were compelling. And some of them were really, really silly. I'm looking at you, Monty Python. You, the flying circus over there. And just like that, episode five comes to an end. Thanks for joining. Thanks for rewinding the movies with me. This is Will, the compulsive giraffe. I will see you next week with an all-new episode. Until then, please remember, there is no good life. There is no bad life. There is just life. So live it. We'll see you next week. Peace.
1: Take it back.
0: Do-do-do-do. Take it back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take it back. Do-do-do-do. Take it back. Well, take I've been back. told by, do, 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 do. to take people back. and they all, do, 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 do. to see to, take, take, do, 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 do. to take, take you back, to take you back like before, do, 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 do. I don't call for some reason, ah. I just call to believe it in myself, Take to do, 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 do. take you back.